I um, had been in prayer. I, I prayed for you this morning. I prayed for everyone who would be here and whoever the Lord brought to um, um, to name. You know, I prayed over you. I prayed over your family. And uh, like Pastor said a couple of months ago, um, I was in preparation for a message. And I felt like the Lord dropped a phrase on me. And, um, and so I heard him say, um, play the end game. And so I was like, play the end game. I, I don't know what that means. And so I did what we all do when we don't know something. I, I went to the experts at Google and I checked and said, okay, what does, I did a search and said, what is the end game? And so this is what Google had to say. What is the end game? An end game is the very last part of a strategic game, like chess or backgammon. We are in the end season or the end game. Say that to your neighbor, neighbor, the end game. We're in the end game. And this is the season. This is the season that we are in. No doubt that we are in the last times. And I don't know how long the Lord will, will tarry, but it is now sooner than ever before. And when a person plays a strategic game, like checkers or chess, at the beginning of the game, you know, it's kind of easy. It's kind of like you're filling out your opponent. Um, it's kind of like you're filling out the game. You want to see, you know, how it's going. It's easy going. But then there is a shift in the middle of the game when it could be a strike of your opponent or it could be um, a bad turn in the game. And then things begin to get serious. As the game progresses, each move becomes increasingly more crucial each turn, and it's, it's more crucial to the winning of the game. Well, we are in a pand, post-pandemic season, right? Um, things feel better. We could say, we got through that one. Things are open again. Let's just chill and enjoy this. And yes, I agree. Let's enjoy this. But let's also keep the kingdom a priority and keep moving forward because things, and I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but in reality, our world as a whole is not going to get better. In many ways, in fact, it's going to get worse. The word of God prepares us for this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. The Greek for very difficult is kaleptos, which means harsh, savage, dangerous, fierce, hard to deal with. The word describes a society that is barren of virtue but abounding with vices. Things are going to continue to come to a head, to a fulfillment. You see the signs, right? War, hints of global hunger, 
And right now, millions of Christians, to the tune of 360 million Christians, are being persecuted right now for their faith. Though we are in the end game, I don't believe that the Lord would have us be fearful or stressed out about it. Instead of being fearful or stressed out, I believe he would want us to be strategic about that. Tell your neighbor, be strategic. And those of you who know me can vouch that I am not an alarmist. I do not live that way. But I feel that the Lord would have me share that the next few decades, by and large, will be vital for the church. We will need to be strategic. But can I just call a little time out here? Because even though life in this world is going to get more and more difficult, I don't believe that God can be outmatched. I don't believe that he would situate us in this time in history without raising up his standard, his banner of victory over us. Because God's glory is going to get greater and greater. And the pouring out of the Holy Spirit will become more and more abundant. And revival is still in the works. Can somebody say amen? (laughs) Isaiah 59 verse 19 in the King James Version declares this promise. So they, so they, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So though the enemy is playing his little games, the Lord, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the everlasting victorious one is still fighting for us. So this is not a bad news message, and I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. The Lord is still on his throne, and the devil is a defeated foe, but we need to recognize that we are in the end game. So end game strategy. In the course of understanding the definition of end game, I came to understand gaming that that the end game means something different in the computer gaming world. Any gamers here today? Any online players? Okay, I didn't know. I'm not a gamer. I did not know what end game means. So I came to understand it means something different, and this is what it means. The what the end game means in gaming. In reality, in the gaming world, the term endgame is not where the game ends. The endgame is where a user has reached the highest level and is transitioning from the basic day-to-day scaffolding mechanics to a new set of mechanics that only advanced level players can infinitely do. In gaming, a successful player reaches levels that are advanced, and it unlocks to them special features. 
They're awarded new skills that they can now utilize over and over in the playing of the game. The end game is, is a player operating at the ult- ultimate level. You are no longer a beginner. You have moved up to a higher degree. Now let's apply that to our Christianity. You are playing in the end game when you have gone through some stuff and you've depended on God to see you through. You look to him and then you saw him do something amazing, something beyond your capacity to accomplish. And that built up a trust in you. Now you are operating in a higher level of faith. Or when you decided that you were serious about your walk with Jesus and you have moved from desire to discipline. You know, you no longer read your Bible on occasion. You no longer pray on occasion, but you are now disciplined and you have called him your daily bread. You have moved from wishing to winning. You are now living in an advanced level. Or when you have let go of some habit or weakness and you said, Lord, I surrender this to you. And you saw him come in with his amazing grace. You are now operating in the end game. You and I are called to a higher level. I present to you three end game strategies for ourselves and for our church CWC life. The first one, know you have been called to play. Know you have been called to play. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, it says this, Paul writes, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We are, we are either on Team Jesus or we are not. Jesus said this, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. If we are on Jesus' team, we are called to get into the game and play in a worthy manner. God has called us. And Paul urges us to rise up in that calling. The word for worthy in this verse means of sufficient weight. Paul wasn't speaking about our own worthiness, not our own effort, but the worth and the power that has been afforded to us through Christ Jesus. Neil T. Anderson wrote this, The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. If we are on team Jesus, we are a player on his team. So sportsmanlike conduct matters. Humbleness, gentleness, and forgiveness toward our fellow teammates matters. We are on one team 
unity and peace matters. And because we are on a team, not one of us are alone. Tonto and the Lone Ranger were riding through a canyon together when all of a sudden, on both sides, it was filled up with Indian warriors on horses dressed for battle. The Lone Ranger turned to Tonto and asked, What are we going to do? Tonto replied, What do you mean we, you Lone Ranger? We are in this together. We are to rely on each other. When we are walking in unity, when we are together, when the body takes care of the body, that is when we choose to play at a heightened level. Number two, give the control counsel to the Holy Spirit. Give the control counsel to the Holy Spirit. Benny Hen, a famous healing evangelist, wrote a book in the 90s entitled Good Morning Holy Spirit. After attending a Catherine Kuhlman miracle crusade, and if you're not familiar with Catherine Kuhlman, Google Google her because she's amazing. Find out about her. After he attended this crusade at age 19, Hen's spiritual experience was forever changed. Relationship with the Holy Spirit was opened up to him, hence the title, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. His book brought the understanding of the Holy Spirit from an impersonal force to the relational God he is. The Holy Spirit was given to us to be with us, to be our helper, our counselor, our intercessor. And it would be wise to give control over to him. I want to talk about churches. Some churches have squeezed out the Holy Spirit. Oh, they have prepped and planned, but they have not gotten on their faces and prayed, Holy Spirit, breathe on us. We are nothing without your moving. We need you. The churches that will continue to thrive and expand in these last days are going to be Holy Spirit-guided churches. One thing that is notable about our church, and this has been told to us by many people, is that they feel the presence of God here. Is that because we have some secret that other churches don't? Is it because we are super anointed? Or we have the best pastor, worship team, leadership, or the most generous people? Well, yeah, we do. (laughs) But seriously... In comparison to other churches, no, we don't. We don't. But what we do have, we have the secret sauce, the Holy Spirit. And we choose not to quench his moving. We are not a cut and dry church. Oh, we have a schedule that we abide by. But if the Holy Spirit wants to break in on us, we have chosen to give him the freedom to do so. 
Oh, let me tell you a little something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where he's going to come from. But when he comes, you know he's here. We want the move of the Holy Spirit. We pray and we fast for the manifested presence of God to be in every service. For without him, we are nothing. I believe in leadership enhancement. I listen to podcasts and read books. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the id factor. And let us never, ever forget that. And thirdly, play to win. Say that to your neighbor. Play to win. How we play will eternally matter. This is not the time for haphazard, half-hearted, sloppy playing. In 2 Corinthians 5.10 in the Amplified Bible, it says, For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. This passage is describing the Bema Seat judgment of Christ. This is different than the white throne judgment of Christ. The, the white throne judgment is when unbelievers will come And they're going to come and they're going to see that their name is not written in the book of life. And they're going to see that the Lord gave them every opportunity to receive him. And they will see how they rejected him. But the Bema seat judgment, it comes from the word Bema. And that's the Greek word that means a platform. And that was a platform in that day where the king or the ruler would sit to give judgment. And this is what the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ is. It's the judgment of believers by Christ. No, we will not be judged for our sins because we have been forgiven and we stand in his righteousness. But all believers will come before Christ the King and he, like a boss, will give us an evaluation of our work. We, as his stewards or employees, will be judged according to what we did with the time, the talent, the treasure that he gave us. We will receive rewards for the good works we have done. And conversely, the loss of rewards for not doing the works he asked us to do or by doing them with impure motives. Our deeds and actions will be tested by fire. If they are wood, hay, or stubble, they will go up in smoke. If they are gold, silver, and precious stones, they will remain, and we will receive the reward. We have our own checklist, right? I went to church, check. I read my devotional, check. And sometimes we can say, you know what? I'm doing good. I'm better than so-and-so. 
But this is not how we're going to be judged, not by our own estimation or evaluation. We will be judged by Jesus. If we were pleasing to him and if we were obedient to his word. This is the parable of the talents which the master gave to each one of his servants. Something to invest and make profitable for him. We will be called to account. And the question will be, what did I do with what the Lord gave me? Francis, Francis Chan said this. Our greatest fear should not be fear of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Salvation is the open door to eternal life, but salvation is just the beginning. What we do now produces eternal outcomes. Playing to win will take sacrifice. No one wants to talk about sacrifice much anymore. To be great at something, you have to sacrifice. To go up, you have to give up. Oh, we readily sacrifice for the things that we want. You tell me you're going to take me shopping, I'll say when and where, right? Well, I'll give if it doesn't cost me too much. That's the worldly attitude that we have to contend with and continually check ourselves for. Every relationship that is worth having is built around sacrifice. Little sacrifices that tell others that they are important and precious to us. It's the same with the Lord. We are not sacrificing for salvation. No, Jesus paid that in full. We are sacrificing to say, Jesus, you are my most important desire. Pastor Stephen Chandler said this, You get what you want in the Lord by inconveniencing yourself for the sake of the gospel. That when we decrease and he increases, then he is able to add to our lives. Right? John the Baptist said that. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. In the last days, the world says that people would be characterized by this. It calls them people that who are lovers of themselves. We have to fight against selfishness and inconvenience. A worldly mindset that is all about self and being comfortable in life. I'm not talking about living a boundaryless life. No, I'm talking about where our main goal is just to be comfortable. That mindset is in opposition to the gospel and to the example of the life of Christ. The Lord is not concerned with our comfort more than the character of Christ being built up in us. If you need motivation to live for Christ, I'll give you the greatest motivation ever. It's found in Hebrews 12:2. It says this, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. 
Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside, beside God's throne. Jesus endured the horror and shame of the cross because we were on his mind. While he was going through the agony, the beatings, the mocking, the pain, the torture, he was thinking, but if I go through this, if I make it through this, then I will win them. I will win them. They will be mine. And he went through that because he was looking forward to us. To us, his expectation kept him going to the cross and beyond. He desired us that much that he didn't stay in heaven, but he laid down his life for us. Think about it. Think about his sacrifice. His sacrifice that equaled our rescue. So if he did that for us, can we not surely live for him? Can we not lay down our life for him and give him the honor and the glory that is due his name? Because we will never face what he faced. And whatever we face in life, we can look beyond it to him, being with him in eternity. If we just keep our focus on Jesus, we will endure because he is enough. So let's understand what's required of us. Let us put into practice with the empowerment and the ability of the Lord at work in our lives. With that ability, we can play to win. This is why Paul could say with confidence in Philippians 3, 13 through 14. No, dear brothers, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. At the end of the game, when there are only seconds left on the clock and the outcome of the game is at hand, that's when the players play the hardest. Time is short. The brevity of our life is actually very short. But there's a heavenly prize awaiting us, and it's worth the fight. So let us be strategic. Let us lay hold of the prize. Let us play the end game to win. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we honor you in this place. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit. As you have been welcomed since the beginning of this service. And you have been moving There is no doubt in my mind that you are at work, and we welcome your work. Lord, we say more. We say more. Pour out your presence on us. Do your deep work in us. We don't want to go out the same way. We want a deeper measure of you. 
Because, Lord, we don't want to just be the same. We don't want to be dull. We don't want to be complacent in our walk with you. But we want to be going deeper. Because there is always more to be had of you. How wide, how deep, how long, how great is the breadth and the, and the measure of the love of God. It is beyond our experience to experience, but we want to experience more and more of it. So come. Come and have your way in us. Come and fill us up. Oh, I'm going to invite you to take an action step today. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. I'm going to invite you to to seal up this word and put it into action. You may be saying today, Pastor D, I I know I'm missing the mark. I know it's been a struggle to walk with the Lord. and, And I know I'm not, I feel I'm not pleasing to him. Can I tell you, he knows that. He knows us. And he's saying, it's okay. I'm a God full of mercy and grace. And we can recognize that in ourselves. But I want to say to us, can we be humble enough and come and ask him for the help that we need? Can we say, oh God, I know I missed the mark. I know it. But I am now coming to bow before you to say, I need that help. Because the first step is recognizing that we need that help and admitting it. And then the power comes. Then the power of the Holy Spirit fills us up and enables us to do the things that we cannot do. And I'm going to call you today if... If you haven't been living for the Lord, if you've been living for yourself, it's been all about you. I'm going to invite you today to the loving arms of the Father that are always open. That you would make a decision today to repent, to say, I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to line up according to the word of God. I'm going to line up. I'm going to come under the submission of God. And I'm going to live out my life for Him. I'm turning a corner. The Lord is here to work in you. The Lord is here to fill you up. So I'm going to invite you today. Come and pray. Come and ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Come and be filled be filled with fresh wind and fresh fire. God, we thank you this morning. We praise you, mighty God. Holy Spirit. Oh, I thank 
there's someone who feels like you just been ha- you just have like a boulder on you. It's like you've been carrying this heavy, heavy weight. It just feels like a gigantic boulder that's been on you. And today the Lord is going to lift that off of you. It could be shame. It could be regret. It could be worry and anxiety. But the Lord is lifting that off today. Oh, and you're you're going to be able to breathe easily. You're going to be able to inhale and exhale in freedom. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, O God, that you're releasing the burden. You're releasing the boulder today. You're bringing about, Lord, just to ease of mind. God, I thank you for the freedom through the Holy Spirit. Praise you, mighty God. 